Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the opportunity you've given us to be able to gather together in your house and be able to study your word. Help us now as we return back to the book of Acts to learn from it and apply it in the right way. Draw close to you, build our faith and trust in you and in your word. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Acts, we can pick it back up here in Acts chapter 18. We see some more about the missionary journey of Paul and the others that were with him. As it reads in Acts chapter 18, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And came unto them, that is, Paul came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So this we see that Paul also had a sideline job of being a tent maker to help fund his missionary exploits and so forth, his journeys and expenses that he could, uh, on the side, make some money being a tent maker. As it continues... And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. This is um, an interesting event here where he basically gives up on them. And it gets to a point in our lives when we're out there sharing the gospel with someone, either an individual or a particular group or even a, a, a large nation or something like that, that it comes to a point like he did here, that it's time to just turn them over to the Lord. That they have resisted so much and have rejected you, particularly as you would feel, but actually it is Jesus Christ they're rejecting. Therefore, it's okay for us to back off, pray for them, yes, lift them up and give them to the Lord. We have done what we were supposed to do, just like Paul says. He's done what he could. Now he's going to shake it off turn them over to the Lord, and it's on them, not on him. In verse 7, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. In other words, it was built right up against the building that they had designated as a synagogue. And Crispus, the, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. It's quite an accomplishment for there being anyone in Corinth to turn to the Lord because it had a reputation for being a pretty wild and ungodly area. And here we see that there was many that did believe. So... The Lord was doing a miraculous work in these mission fields to bring these Gentiles in 
as believers and as part of the family of God. As it continues, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. That had to be very encouraging for Paul to get that message directly from the Lord that it was okay there and that he could relax and stick around a while and continue to do a godly work. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And when Galileo was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Of course, these are those Jews that were anti-Christ and did not want any more preaching being done, so they went after Paul. Saying, this fellow has persuaded men to worship God contrary to the law. That showed their ignorance. Because if they truly knew the law they would have known the prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of the prophecies in Jesus Christ. But they were showing their own ignorance of their own religion by proclaiming that Paul was teaching something contrary to the Word of God. Because at that time, Paul did not have the New Testament that we have to refer to. So everything that Paul was preaching was from the Old Testament and from the eyewitnesses and his experiences directly with the Lord. As he continues, And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Galileo said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. If you came to me with a legitimate complaint that was a concern of his, then he would hear them. But they didn't have a legitimate complaint. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it. For I will, know, I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sothenus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat, and Galileo cared for none of those things. So they took one of their own, basically, and beat him up right there in front of him. And he didn't care. It's like they were a nuisance to him. He just wanted them to go away. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sacria, for he had a vow, shorn or shaved. So Paul shaved his head because he had a vow. Now here we see Paul's roots of being a Pharisee coming out again. We saw this when he had Timothy circumcised, and we see this again now with him shaving his own head what he was doing is part of a Nazarite vow. And you would shave your head and take that hair and burn it at the altar in Jerusalem as part of a vow, either a vow of thanks 
for something that the Lord has done for him or a vow of commitment that he was about to make. It doesn't say what vow he actually made, but that he is making this vow. So this shows you that Paul was still hanging on to some of the traditions and ordinances of the Old Testament. Now, this also shows us that there's nothing wrong with continuing some of those things of the Old Testament, such as this making a vow and commitments and of such that he was doing and circumcision. But he also teaches us later that it's not that we are bound by those and we are not bound to follow those because we are born again into the new covenant, the new Testament, which is not dependent upon the full fulfillment of the old covenant. But here he's doing this as a personal experience, showing his devotion, showing his trust, his faith and commitment to the Lord. This vow that he is making, whether it's a vow because he's being thankful or because it's something that he is wanting to do or accomplish or a commitment to the Lord in whatever way it is. We do things traditionally to commemorate Jesus, such as celebrating Christmas or celebrating Easter. The Lord did not tell us to do such things, but we do them, and it's tradition, and it gives us a time to focus in on the Lord. Thus, we see Paul doing this in this particular way. As we read on, we see that he's also going to Jerusalem for a feast. And while he's there, he will fulfill this vow, burning his hair as a sacrifice. As he continues, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. So he went on to Jerusalem, of course, and went to that feast. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in a synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Basically, bringing him up to date. Because he was under the teaching of John, but had not gone on to the acceptance of the New Testament, the New Covenant, and the teachings of directly coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. So they gave him some instructions, basically, to get him up to date. And when he was disposed to pass to Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. 
for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Notice, showing by the scriptures. The scriptures he had at that time would have been the Old Testament. As it continues in chapter 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corneth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. See, they had not been given the full gospel yet. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. So they were still at a point where they were waiting for Jesus, waiting for acceptance of Jesus as well. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now the Lord told us in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Bringing in the whole Trinity. Whereas John was teaching and preaching about the coming of the Messiah. And they were baptized into repentance in preparation for acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So now they go on to the next step. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So now they can get to the point where they can acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And all the men were about 12. So a small group, 12 folks that had this situation. But don't take this and think that you have to have a secondary process of receiving the Holy Ghost. This was different here, different situation. They had not been given the full gospel. So once they were given the full gospel, then they trusted in Jesus Christ and were baptized in His name. And then they receive the Holy Ghost. We know that it further teaches us that when we are born again Christian, when we receive Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior, immediately the Holy Ghost comes into us. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened, or many different ones, and believed not, but spake evil of that Way before the multitude of that way is the teaching of Jesus Christ, of Christianity. He departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, now, this next thing here has been taken by some, might say, shady individuals and been exploited. 
especially on TV. As you see this, you'll understand it. So that from the body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So I'm sure you all have seen this on TV, especially in years past, where they sell you a napkin or they sell you a little bottle of water. And they say, you take this and you sprinkle that and then you put it on you and then you're going to be healed or you take this napkin. And I've even seen some of those TV evangelists that wipe the sweat off of their head or something and then say, here, I'll give you this napkin and you put it on you and it'll, it'll give you healing. This is where they get that from. Lifting themselves up to the being equal with the miracles that Paul was being blessed with. That was a practice that has gone on in the past. I don't know, there might even be some more out there these days that are still doing that. These prayer handkerchiefs or prayer aprons or things like that, that if you abide by what they say and do what they say, and of course send them some money, then you can have this particular napkin that if you do this or that with it, then you'll be healed or you'll bring prosperity into your your home if you do such and such. So they're exploiting things that have been done in the past there for their own gain. And verse 13, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Notice, these were fellows that chose to be exorcists. They wanted to go around and relieve people of their indwelling evil spirit, to cast evil spirits out of people. But notice their statement there, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Not, we adjure you by Jesus Christ, the living God, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the one they believe in and trust in. No, the Jesus who Paul preaches about, which showed the lack of their faith to begin with. And we see what happens with them. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priest, which did so. So this Siva had seven sons, and they were the exorcist, and they go out to this particular fellow and decided to cast the evil spirit out of him. In verse 15, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Because they weren't indwelt with the Holy Ghost, they did not truly trust in Jesus Christ. They saw an opportunity for them to get in to a particular work and tried to do a work, not having the, the tools to do it. Verse 17, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts. These curious arts were the paganism, were the divination, was the idolatry and so forth. And they had books, as it says here. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. 
And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So that was a lot of value in that to others that may have been willing to pay for such an evil book. But they were showing their commitment to the Lord. Cleaning house, getting such ungodly things out and burning them, showing others that they are leaving such beliefs and, and practices. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And the same time there arose no small stir about that way. About that way, of course, is the Christian way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen. Now you see, that's his motivation there. Note that, no small gain unto the craftsmen. So he was making a lot of money making these idols to the pagan goddess Diana, whom he had called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but almost Throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that there be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipped. So you can always... Or I should say, so many times you can follow the money trail. Where was the motivation? The motivation was basically because they were going to be out of a job. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. So you got this great big group of rioters, basically, and some of them are just going along with the crowd. They didn't even know why they're there or what the dispute was. They just wanted to be a part of it. Sure see a lot of that going on these days. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. 
And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open, and there are deputies. Let them implead one another. But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. They were being monitored by the Romans. The Romans were still in control of this area, and when there was an uprise, when there was a problem, they would just come in and kill everybody. And this man was intelligent enough to realize that you guys are stirring up some trouble, getting some attention, and it's going to lead to the destruction of all of us if you don't be quiet and handle this calmly. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. So they backed off on them. So it's interesting to see how effective Paul's teaching was in his ministry as he traveled about and the others that he influenced, not only the Jews, but the Greeks also. And he did a great work, and he continued to to preach and teach the gospel, and to, many souls were being won for the Lord, and going up against some challenging individuals, like as Demetrius and others, that he was... He was threatening their positions of power, of authority, of profit, and sometimes it didn't go so well for him. But this all is a credit to Paul and his determination to continue to spread the gospel. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for these records of the experiences of Paul and the other disciples and so forth that we can learn from and help us to apply it properly in our lives as well. Give us the courage and the boldness that they displayed to go on up right up right up in the face of the enemy and proclaim you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you so much for all that you allow us to be a part of. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.